Okay, Booker Tov, everyone. First of all, thank you for accommodating the change in schedule. I wish us all a bracha that we should have to adjust for a simcha. Amen. So I appreciate it because of the bris. Um, and it's, it's so nice to see that people came anyway in the middle of the morning, hours later. So Baruch Hashem. Next week also, unfortunately, I have a conflict Wednesday, so we're going to hold it Thursday, 8.45. Same time, same place, different day, Thursday. I sent an email, it'll be in a weekly, and I'll, I'll send a reminder next week as well. But thank you for accommodating and Mir Tashem, it'll be smooth sailing in our regular slot from there. I want to thank Dvar and Avi Orland for continuing to sponsor in memory of their beloved daughter, Rim Esther Bas Avram Yitzchak, whose neshama should have an aliyah. Amen. And if other people want to sponsor, there are weeks available in the future. Please speak to Linda. Also, our learning this morning is for Erefua Shlema, our dear and beloved friend, Brian, who's undergoing surgery as we learn. Baruch Tvi Ben Rivka Batya. And as well, our dear friend, Mike Stern, who's undergoing bypass surgery as we learn. Uh, Eli Melech ben Yehudas, both should have a speedy, complete, and painless Rufur Shlema. We've been learning this piece in Ali Shor, Revolbi, the great Mashkiach of Yerushalayim, the Mashkiach of the Jewish people. His second volume of Ali Shor, a collection of the Vadim, the Musar Shmuzin that he gave, um, which help mold and shape our lives. So, Antfila and Bitachon, I believe. Now, the only question is does anyone know where we left off? Did anyone mark down where we left off? Oh, <laughs> perfect. Okay, so that's what we're going to figure out. We'll figure it out together. So, Revolb, if you remember, was quoting the Rabbeinu Yonah, who taught us a very important principle. The Gemara says, just to take us back to where we were, the Gemara says that a person who's Somech Geula Tfila, if you end the bracha, Ga'al Yisrael, that God is the Redeemer of Israel, and immediately, without any break, any barrier, any interruption, you start Hashem Sfasai Tiftach, you begin your Shemona Esrei, if you make them in immediate succession, one right after the other, then you're a ben olam haba. You guaranteed a portion of the world to come. You're in. You're in. And we ask, that's it? You're in? You could be an unkind, callous person, a gossiper. You could be somebody who dismisses and neglects Hashem's will. You're there. And, uh, and all you have to do is say, you start the Amida. All you have to do is start the Amida right after you say, God, Yisrael. And that's all it takes. How could it be? How could it be so simple? So if you remember, Rabbeinu Yonah developed this idea that what are you really accomplishing? It's not a matter about saying the script. It's not just as simple as you say those words one after the other and you're in. You could do whatever you want and be whoever you want to be. What it means is God is God's the Redeemer of Israel. It means if as you live in the present, you have an eye on God's guiding hand in the past and therefore you feel His presence, you feel His love in the present and taking and ushering you into the future. Hasomech Geula Latfila means that when you see that Geula was not a coincidence, that when we came out of Egypt, or when we survived the Inquisition, the expulsions, and the Holocaust, and the Crusades, and when we've survived collectively and individually horrible challenges, when you see God's guiding hand and love and support, and we realize it's not random, it's not chance, it's not coincidence, it's all the will of the Almighty, it's all by design, and then you begin your Amida. So now, Amida is in the backdrop, not of Hashem, give me this, give me that, give me the other thing, because I'm hedging my bets. I don't really believe you give it. I don't know if you're the one who gives it. But you know what? I'm hedging my bets. I take the medicine, I take the vitamin, I go to the doctor, I do the thing, and I'm also going to hedge my bet. I might as well. I might as well. I often see, I look around and I see people at Minyan who don't often come to Minyan. And they're clear, oh yeah, I forgot, this one's looking for a job. I forgot that one needs a shitter for their child. I forgot. And all of a sudden you remember, you know, there's no atheist in a foxhole. So some people use the avening to hedge on the checklist of things I have to do. I don't know if it works, it doesn't work. I don't know if there's a God or there's no God. I don't know if he's involved in my life or he's not involved in my life. But I'm going to hedge. I might as well. I might as well. I can't go wrong trying. So if that's the attitude towards davening, it's kind of an insult of a conversation. You speak to somebody... 
and uh, and you turn to them for help, but you say, look, I don't even know if you can give the help. I don't know who you are, but I've been told to speak to you, so I'm putting it on my checklist. Is that person inclined to want to help you? We have another one down here. Is that person inclined to want to help you? Not if you're so not if you're so rude in the way you reach out to them for help. So Rabbeinu Yon explains the Gemara as the Asoma Gula Tzvila means bitachon and emuna. That our davening is laced with bitachon and emuna. And when we last left off and we were discussing it, we were talking about the importance not only about learning davening, but learning how to be daveners and the difference between the two. Learning davening is, can I memorize the English for all the Hebrew? Can I quote seven interpretations of what each paragraph of the Amidah means? Can I look up each of the Tehillim from davening and see all the Perushim, all the Mephoshim on it? That's what it means to learn davening. And we're going to start doing that. We actually took delivery this week of a thousand new Sidurim that we ordered. The RCA just came out with a brand new beautiful sitter with commentary and user-friendly. It's fantastic. So we're going to do a sitter launch party to welcome the new sitter. And I'm going to start Mir Tashem Blineder. But uh, between Menchamar, the five minutes of our Torah, I'm going to try to go through the sitter and explain. And I hope that people will bring their sitter. Don't write in the shul's copy, but people will bring their own sitter and make notes in the margins and be able to, to make it their own, to make a Kenyan on it. I'm out. I have miscellaneous pages. So, um, why did I say that? The sitter. Oh, oh the sitter. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, the sitter. So, to learn davening is to learn all the different interpretations. To learn to be a davener is to know before whom we stand, with whom we're having a connection, why we're asking God, to feel that we're in His presence, to turn to Him with such faith, such knowledge, to be able to, to know that Hashem is a guiding hand, that like Avram Avinu, who interve- intervenes for Sodom, but says, Anochi we say, Hashem, I said yesterday in the Parsha class, right after the Amidah, we have Tachanan. We brazenly and boldly tell God how to run His world. Give this one a refuah give this one a parnasa, give me this, give this one that. We tell Hashem how to run His world, and then immediately we recoil, and we fall on our arm, and we say tachanan. We say, Hashem, all my suggestions were based on my limited, finite, humble understanding, but we understand, I concede. With tachanan, I concede that if it's a choice between going at it your way, the divine, infinite, omnipotent way, or my way, let's do it your way. I'm just telling you from my little perch down here the way it seems to me. And I'm also leveling my protest. There are people around me in pain and hurting. I'm protesting Hashem. If they're in pain, I'm in pain. If they're suffering, I'm suffering. If they're going through surgery or illness or recovery or treatment, I'm going through it. So Hashem, I'm telling you about my pain. What you do with that is up to you. That's what Avram does. He says, you can't destroy Sodom. Then right away, I'm just telling you from my little perspective, Hashem, because I, I have to level my protest. So davening is an exercise in Amunah Bitachon, says Rabbeinu Yonah. How do we make sure it's an exercise in Amunah and Bitachon? Amunah and Bitachon muscles that we have to work out or else they atrophy. How do we make sure? By being so much You say, Gal Yisrael, Hashem. All of history until this point, you orchestrated it. You choreographed it. You designed it. You put it together. It's all you. So Hashem, just like Ga'al Yisrael, just like you did it throughout all history, now I'm ready for my Amidah. When I ask you, I'm not, these are miscellaneous, I don't even know what's here. I'm not, there's a couple of seats here. I'm not telling you, Hashem, give me this, but yeah, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm telling you with confidence, just like Ga'al Yisrael, just like historically you were the Redeemer, so too now, Tachonein, Rafa'inu, Baruch Aleinu, it's an exercise. Your davening is a davening of Amun and Bitachon. How many of us, on the way into davening, we're complaining, we're anxious, we're worried, we act as if there's no God. The second we close the sitter, or maybe if we're talking chas v'shalom, in shul, we're anxious, there's no God, and I'm worried in what will be. And we daven, but we put a check next to davening as if we davened. Because we said all the words. Said the words, check, done. 
what's the point if you're not present in the conversation? If we're not there in the moment, if we're not mindful. So what is the evidence of the mindfulness? If we're somech geulo tzvila. Somech geulo tzvila doesn't just mean you say it right after. It means you were present, you were mindful, you, there was intentionality in being somech geulo tzvila. In saying, God Yisrael Hashem, you're the Redeemer, you've always been there, and therefore, Hashem svasai tiftach. Now I'm ready for a conversation with you. Just like when in the past, in my own life, I felt like things made no sense. But in the end, you know what you were doing. I went through that hard time and look what I learned from it. Look how I got stronger. Look how somehow it came out for a good. Sometimes we comprehend it, other times we'll never understand it. But God, Yisrael, just like in my own life, Hashem, sometimes I can look back at that difficult spot and see I became better, I became greater, I became stronger. We're reading about the tests of Avraham. And the tradition is that we too endure 10 tests like Avraham. And what's the point of a test? You could run away from a test. A nisayon, vayanas, you could run away. Or it's a nase, you can wave a banner, plant a flag, that here's where I learned something about myself, here's where I grew, here's where I became bigger, here's where I became better. There's so many things that unless we were pressed against the wall, we'd never discover that capacity within ourselves. We'd never believe that we had the ability to do it. Ever. Unless we were forced into it. Forced to have faith. Forced to have courage. Forced to believe. Forced to stand up. Forced to find strength. Unless we were backed into that corner and forced, we'd never bring it from potential to real. The Ramban says that's the purpose of every Nisayon. Avram went through it. We each go through it. It's hard to identify Avram's 10. It's even harder sometimes to identify the 10 in our lives. But we look at those 10 and we realize they made us who we are. Even in retrospect, many of them we don't welcome and we wouldn't want and we wish we could give back. But they made us who we are. They made us who we are and we wouldn't be who we are without it. So davening is that journey of self-reflection. It's that exercise in humility. That I think I'm all that. When I'm outside of, when my sitter is closed, it's all up to me. I gotta work hard. I gotta take initiative. I gotta give my all. When my sitter is closed, it all depends on me. But when I open that sitter, it all depends on Hashem. When I open that sitter, I can't do it at all. It's 100% depends on Hashem. And to understand this, and in order to appreciate this, we have to understand four key points. You see where we are? The Aleph on the bottom of the first page. Everyone see where the Aleph is? Great. Did we do, I don't know if we did this last week. Yes. We started this last week? Okay, so we're going to review it. Come on in, you're in the right place. This may be a better time, actually, by the uh, look of... Maybe we should be doing it mid-morning on Wednesday. No? All right. Maybe we'll take a vote at the end. Tefillah is an exercise of faith. The middle section, right, the first three are praise of God, which we offer not to butter him up. It's not like, God, did I mention how beautiful you look today? By the way, there's a few things I need. It's not to butter him up. It's that if I'm going to know, why am I asking him? Why am I asking him? Then I have to know who he is and how he's categorically different than I. So the first three are praise. Then the next 13 are requests, supplications. And then the last three are gratitude. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you for everything. When it comes to davening, we find a chiddush. We find a novel thing that we don't find when it comes to Torah. People don't know this, but there's a halacha. I only did it once in my life, actually. I was motivated. I don't know that we really do this today, but I had just learned. I still remember I was in my year in Israel. I went to the Kotel for whatever reason, and I'd already davened Mincha, and it wasn't yet time for Marav, but, you know, I connected to Shimon Esra in a way I didn't connect to just saying to Hillam. So you could offer an adava. You know, the halacha is that we have to daven two times women, three times men a day, 
Shachas Menchamarev, that you have to daven. But there's a concept of a nedava that you can offer another prayer. You want to say the Shemona Esrei 20 times a day, you can say it 20 times a day. You're not limited to only say it to three. You feel moved and you want to find the language, the script, the template to connect to Hashem more than those three times a day. You're allowed to. But what is the one condition? In order to offer a nedava, in order to offer a voluntary prayer, what must that voluntary prayer have? Chiddush. It has to have something new. You can't offer another voluntary extra prayer if you're just going to say the same old script. If you're just going to read the same old sitter. You've got to add something personal, something new. And this halacha is that you don't have to add something new within every bracha. Take one bracha. Rafaina, you thought of a new person. So you're already in Shacharis, and it's not yet time for Mincha. And you feel moved, you learned about someone else who needs a Rafuah Shlema. So you can say to him, and you can take challah, and you can give tzedakah, and you can do a mitzvah, chesed. But you want to connect through the Amidah. So as long as you're going to mention them in Rafa'in, you think about them, talk about them, daven for them, that's new, then you can offer a nedava. Or maybe a Ramah, yesh mefarshin b'lo mikre chidosh ala neschadosh etzal davar shal yatzarech elav kodem lachein, ayin shum. And the Ramah says, when it mentions that, you can, that you're only allowed to volunteer a new davening, if you offer a chidosh, a chidosh doesn't mean, the truth is I needed this at Shacharis, I just forgot to mention it, so I'm mentioning it now. It's only called something new if it's something that just arose, that you didn't need before. So you've already davened, and now you've learned of something new, and you want to daven for it, and you're going to mention it, volunteer in Ushman Esri. You're allowed to say it again. This is the halacha, the Shulchan Aruch, and the Ramah. In fact, in some ways, you may be obligated to say it again. In Sharon B'Tfilah, in Sharon B'Tfilah, the um, Rav Pincus quotes from the, from the Brisker Rav, from the Velvel, that we paskin, there's a machlok, Ramban and Rambam, is davening every day to Arisa or Durabonan. So one says, davening every day is Daraisa. Once a day, it's biblically commanded to connect, to reach out, to talk to Hashem once a day. The other says, no, but only Be'ez Tzara. The Ramban says, only, only in a time of need, Be'ez Tzara. But what comes out according to the Ramban is that we daven every day by rote, by habit, by practice. It's part of our ritual, part of our habit, part of our schedule. That's the Rabban and that's Rabbinic. They instituted it to keep the conversation going. Because if they didn't obligate you to talk, when you'd need to talk, you wouldn't remember how. So if you keep the conversation going, I don't know anyone who exercises, I was just telling someone this. If you miss a day or two, you feel it. Even just two days of missing it, you feel it when you get back to the exercise. Whereas if you keep it going, you build up more and more and more stamina, and you do better and better and better, and it hurts less and less and less. So the same is true with davening. The Rabbanon realized, if you never daven, if we don't obligate you to daven, when you, when you need something, when it's time to daven, it's going to hurt. You don't remember how. You're starting from scratch. Your muscles ache again. If you daven at least a little bit every single day, you're exercising your, your amuna muscle every single day, then you're staying healthy and you won't ever begin to, it won't begin to hurt. So you're allowed to, you're allowed to add something. You're allowed to daven, I'm sorry again, but it has to be something new. Oh, that's what I was telling you, the briskarov. So the briskarov says the following. He says, according to the Ramban, that, that it's only Doraisa, davening is biblical, but an ace tzara. It means what happens if you davened already? You said chakras this morning, and then you hear a dear friend of yours is in surgery. You say, oh, that's an ace tzara. If they're in surgery, I'm in surgery. I, I can't concentrate. I can't focus. I'm in pain. I'm worried. You hear about Khalila, something in Israel. You hear about something happening in the world that's an ace tzara or something in one's own life. So according to the Britzkarov, within the Ramban, you have to daven again. Not just you're allowed to daven again, but that davening is Doraisa. That's biblical. So what you did already was rabbinic. Because you just discharged the daily obligation to daven. But now as an Esau, you learned about something, you heard about something, you feel something which is urgent, a crisis, 
Now you're biblically obligated to daven again. So whether you're volunteering this nadava or you're biblically obligated to turn to Hashem and talk to Him and, and daven to Him, but there's an idea that you can offer a, a new prayer as long as it has something new. Something new. Is the nadava only Shmonesra? You don't have to say everything else. You could just say Shmonesra. Now some say before every Shmonesra you should have an Ashray and Alenu afterwards, but you could say Shmonesra. Again, I still remember this. I was at the Kotel. It was, I had davened already. It was not yet time for the next davening. I wanted to connect to Hashem. You know, what do you know by heart? To sit and say, oh, say for to him, who knows it by heart? But a Shmon Asri, you could close your eyes and touch the kotel and say a Shmon Asri, you offer an Adava, as long as you offer something new. So what is the motivator? What is the driver of davening? The driver of davening is need, is feeling incomplete. The driver of davening is the humility to realize I'm not in control. It's forfeiting control. Let's say you have a chiddush in the first three brachos. I have a chiddush. Why does it say Magen Avram, not Magen Yitzchak and Yaakov? I have a chiddush. So I want to daven again because I'm going to have in mind a chiddush. I have a new interpretation within the first three brachos. Can't daven again. That's not a justification. You have a chiddush in the last three brachos. I have a new chap and einfall. And what does it mean to be grateful? And what hodah? I have a new interpretation of gratitude. So I want to daven again. I'm going to think about the new interpretation of gratitude in the last three. Can't daven again. Having a new idea in the first three or the last three, that's not called tefillah. That's called Torah. Save that for a shir you're going to give about davening. That's called Torah. That's, that's a shir about davening. Which is the davening? The middle 13. Because what's the core of davening? is need. I'm incomplete. I need. I'm inadequate. I'm not in control. Hashem, you. Again, when the sitter's closed, it's all up to me. Right? The surgeon doesn't say, oh, it's all up to you, Hashem. I'm going to be distracted. It's, uh, I'm not, not going to give it my all. If, if you want it to come out well, it'll come out well. When we go to work, right, that's an extreme example. When we go to work, everything that we do, in everything that we do, in every arena of life, when the sitter is closed, it's all up to us. But when that sitter is open, it's not up to us at all. It's entirely up to Hashem. So davening is an exercise in amunah and bitachon. The words are important, but listen to what he's saying. Davening is not an experience of Talmud Torah. One of my hesitations of our new sitter is the commentary in the bottom, which is more robust and beautiful and draws from many more sources we're familiar with, could easily distract people during davening to start reading the commentary. And all of a sudden your davening has been replaced by learning. So if you take the sitter and not during davening hours, you're reading the commentary and you're learning, you're, you're learning about the sitter. That's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's a key and it's a fulfillment in Talmud Torah. But if you're going to read the commentary, when you really should be lost in your own thoughts and connection and submission and davening and humility, but you're, oh, there's some, uh, three interpretations. I never thought of that. The way the grammar, then, then you're learning. You're not davening. So when are you going to daven if you're learning during davening? So that's an amazing thing Revolb is saying based on this chiddush of the Ramah. That if you have something new in the middle section, you could offer a voluntary. But in the beginning or the end, you can't. Why? Because something new in the beginning or end, that's a form of learning. Something new in the middle, something new which is a need, something new which emphasizes and reinforces Hashem, I am nothing without you. This is all up to you. I forfeit, I submit. I'm, I'm in your hands. I am in your hands, which is the truth and it is the reality. Then, then that's called the Chiddush and that justifies. Chiddush b'tfila hi bakasha mechudeshes. We're on the back page now. The second half, second side. If you daven to Hashem because you're hedging, you say, look, I got it. I really have it covered. But among the things I got to do is go through the motions of asking you for help. 
but I'm just doing that as a formality because really I got it covered. So what do I need to do to make this work out? I got to speak to these investors and I got to talk to the bank and I got to work on the PowerPoint and I got to think and I got to daven. But it's all just on my checklist of things that I do because I'm in control. So you could daven to Hashem where it's really, you're just davening to yourself because you're just viewing that as on your checklist of things to do because you're in control. But that's not authentic davening. That's not authentic davening. If you're davening to Hashem because that's one of the many things you have to do to get what you want, then you're not really davening. Real davening is saying, Hashem, you're not a checklist. You're, you're, you are the check. You're everything. You're everything. And everything else on my checklist I'm doing because the initiative I have to do. But whether all that effort and combination works, that's up to you. You'll pass in for me. Let me know how it works out. If it worked out, it was meant to be. If it didn't work out, it wasn't meant to be. And your determination is the one I live by because you're the omnipotent, infinite being. And I'd rather defer to your judgment than to my own. So I'm going to take the initiative and I'm going to work hard like it's all up to me. But in the end of the day, I accept what's all up to you. So where do we work out the bitachon muscle every day? Where is the gym of bitachon? It's in the sitter. That's the gym. The gym equipment of bitachon. The weights and the cardio machines of bitachon are the middle brachas of Shemona Esrei. Tachonein, Rifainu, Borachaleinu, Shiva Shivtainu, Vlamashinim, Shmakuleinu. Those are all the different weights of the gym. And they all work out, just like you're in the gym, and different weights work out different muscles. So each of these brachos work out different components of our bitachon and you, Hashem. Right? Allah Tzadikim maybe is, a, is the one that's most explicit. Hashem, let me never be embarrassed or ashamed. Let me never pause or hesitate. Because my faith, my bitachon is in you. People don't realize it. In Shemona Esrei, really in the center of Shemona Esrei, is a statement of bitachon. That's why we're there. Somech geula l'tfilah. Hashem, before I walk into the gym of bitachon with my Shemona Esrei, I'm somech geula l'tfilah. I remember how well the last workout worked out. And now I go into the gym for the next one. Walking into the sitter of the Shemona Esrei is walking into that gym of bitachon. It's working out that bitachon, that bitachon masam. It's that exercise, the binyan of bitachon. So again, it's not just saying words. It's not just reciting a script, empty words. We're going through an experience to build bitachon. Because you need that muscle to be strong for when, when the hardship comes. If your muscle's not strong, you're in trouble then. And the hardship's going to come because to be alive is to be living a complicated life. There's nobody immune. There's nobody above. And it comes in different forms. For some, it's health. For some, it's finances. For some, it's relationships. For some, it's mental well-being. For some, it's... It's, it's not for us, it's seeing people we love, it's seeing family members, it's children. There's nobody who's immune. Nobody who's immune. So will we be strong? Will we be prepared? Will we be ready? I remember there was someone in our shul many years ago who had a, uh, a big heart attack and was in the hospital. I went to visit him in the hospital and he says, Rabbi, the Karbach minion was meeting much more regularly then. And he said, the Karbach minion saved my life. I said, wow, that's like so nice, the davening, it saved your life. You're remembering the nigunim while you're in the hospital and it saved your life, so sweet. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. The Karbach Minyan saved my life. I said, what do you mean? He said, you know, I started going to the Karbach Minyan a year ago. And the Karbach Minyan, everybody's got a little bit more energy. A hopping and bopping and beeping and dancing and clapping and banging. Everybody, the whole Karbach movement, just moving. It's just movement, movement, movement. He said, I went and I loved it. But I'm out of shape. I was overweight, out of shape. And so the first few weeks, I couldn't keep up. Everybody's jumping and dancing and hopping and clapping. And I'm out of shape. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I'm out of breath. I can't keep up. 
So I was determined, I want to get the full experience at the Kabach Minyan, the happy Minyan. I want to be able to dance. I want to be able to sing. I want to be able to jump up and down. He said, so I started exercising and working out so I'd be able to catch my breath. He said, and when I had this heart attack, the doctors told me that if I had been in the shape I was in a year ago, I wouldn't have survived the heart attack. The only reason I survived it is because I had been exercising. I was in improved shape to be able to withstand it when it came. He said, so the Karabach Minyan saved my life. It's a great story. So the same is true when it comes to bitachon. God forbid a person's going to wait for a diagnosis, for bad news, for a challenging situation and struggle. And then they're going to say, well, I have to learn. I don't know anything about bitachon. I have to learn about it. I have to look for it. I don't know if I feel it. I don't know. Then you're going to start and go to the drawing board. You can, and many people do, but you're spiritually out of shape. When the challenging time comes, you may not survive. But if you maintain spiritual, if you spiritually were in shape, if we're spiritually strong, if we're spiritually working out, if we're building that binyan of bitachon, we're growing in our bitachon so that when that challenge comes, we can endure, we can engage it, we can take it on, then we'll be much stronger when it comes. Then we'll be much stronger when it comes. So he talked to Brian Galbert, Baruch Tiv Gabacha, last night, this morning, on his way into surgery. All he's talking about is how amazing Hashem is, how great Hashem is, and how amazing everything is, and look how they're able to, it's in a place of the brain, they can take the whole thing out again, they can resect the whole thing. And Hashem, amazing, I love Hashem. You're like, are you for real? Now, if you know Brian, he is for real. That's, that's him. But he does not talk in that way, because really he never knew who Hashem was, and now he has this horrible thing, so he discovered Hashem yesterday. He's able to talk that way because that's what he's been working on and who he's been for his whole life. So we don't know what the future will bring. We don't know. And I don't mean to sound negative. We also have a lot of bracha and a lot of amazing things and great things that are going on. We have a lot of challenges in our community right now. But for everyone who reminds me of that, as if I need reminding, I tell them we also have more 90-year-olds in our community than we've ever had. More babies being born, more simchas being celebrated, more Torah being learned, more chesed being performed. Not to suggest that it equals it out. It's not a trade-off, a diagnosis of a young person for someone hitting their 90s. Chalila, it's not a trade-off whatsoever. But my point is there's more of a complete picture. And we have to see Hashem and feel connected to Hashem. So hopefully the future brings only simcha and bracha and atzlach and longevity and nachas and the best of absolutely everything. But you know what? Even for those for whom it does, some of those very people in their 90s are krechtzing and moaning and this hurts and that hurts. And I say to them, like, what do you think? The parts have a guarantee forever? Like, <laughs> what do you want? You want... What's the alternative? This hurts. I said, would you, wait, would you rather it not hurt? Because for it to not hurt this morning when you woke up, it would mean you weren't here. Right? I'm not giving muscle to the 90-year-olds. I'm just saying, <laughs> those parts have been working for a long time. For a long time. They're going to start to ache and moan. And that's a bracha in life because you're here to feel it. You're here to feel the ache and the moan. There's two ways we could live life. You know, you could look at... I was on a panel of rabbis last night at a program. One of the other rabbis was describing this whole mentality of how we look at life and, and it's where we place simcha as a decision. It's not, a, it's not an emotion. He was saying his daughter leaves her clothing all over the house. So you could look at it and like my miserable children, they leave their clothing. I've told them a million times, I can't believe it. Or you could stop yourself. You, you should teach them and hold them accountable for leaving it there, but say, you know what? Thank God I have children. Yeah, and thank God nice. they have enough clothing that they could leave them all over the house and still be wearing clothing. And thank God there's a house to leave it in. And thank God there's a, there's a hundred thank yous within the feeling of frustration. Yeah. So do you unpack the feeling of frustration and see all the things that were necessary to even get to that feeling? You couldn't even be at? My kid left the third car in a way that's blocking me. I can't believe they always do that and blah, blah, blah. It's frustrating. And you should take away the keys for a little bit. But you know what? You have a kid and they pass their driver's license and you can afford a third car and they haven't crashed it yet. And there's a, for every frustration, there's a hundred things underneath it 
that do we have the gratitude to be there and then be frustrated and hold the other person accountable, but only in the context and only through the filter of, wow, look at all those things to be grateful for. So please, God, our future is only the best, but the likelihood is that we're all, we all have a terminal illness. We're all going to die. Nobody has yet overcome death. So it's, it's just a question of when, and we pray and hope it's, it's after a long time, but it's, it's going to come. So are we going to be ready for whatever life throws our way, whatever it is that throws our way, in whatever area of life? Well, if we don't work out and we're not healthy, like my friend who was saved by the Kaabach minion, spiritually, emotionally, got to exercise that bitachon. We have to go through being so mekulah, let's feel it daily. Daily, go through that exercise of seeing Hashem's hand in history so that we can find His hand in our destiny. If you see His hand in history, you'll feel His hand in destiny. If you don't see it in history, you're going to feel very lonely in your own destiny. So in order to be prepared, to be healthy, to be well, to be strong, to endure whatever comes our way, we have to be working out now. And where do we work out now? I'll never be embarrassed to say I believe in you. Please God, and with God's help. I always talk about my evangelical friends when we're meeting or working on something, and they say, Rabbi, let's pray on it. I say, wow, that's amazing. I would never do that, but we're supposed to be the ones who do that. Mm-hmm. You ever meeting with someone, you're not sure what to do, you're talking to your spouse, you have to make a big decision, and you say, I don't know what to do. You know what, let's take a moment, and let's pray it. Let's ask, let's ask Hashem to give us some wisdom, some guidance, help Him to direct us, help Him to give us some, some clarity. We know anybody who does that. We're, we're Torah Jews. That's supposed to be dripping off of our lips. It's supposed to be who we are. I'm not embarrassed. Because in you is my trust, is my faith. It's up to you. Will we have the strength to say, Hashem, I trust in you, whatever the outcome, it's for a reason, when we have to? We'll determine on whether we've been practicing. Have we been going to the gym or have we fallen out of shape? So being Samech Ula Latvila is that puts us into the gym and gets us ready. So we're up to the bays. We're going to pick up from here, Mir Tashem, next week. Thursday, not Wednesday, but Thursday. Is, is this, I'm going to turn the recording off and we can debate this ourselves. 